Now we've come to a time to do a special message, and this is a message that had taken me back through time, a time in my own life, but it was a time that also taught me and reminded me of who it is that's in charge of all things. And the title and the theme of this message is Finding Strength Through Adversity. Now this was a, uh, again, a special message that a friend of mine inspired me to, to do. And this was something that I had planned to do at some point in time. But again, God uses people. God uses people in many different forms. And in, in, in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And again, this is again, this is a special time for me uh, because again, it reminded me of those times, and it, hopefully, it'll remind you of certain things that, that God has gotten you through, or better yet, what He's going to get you through. And this is something every single person must do in in this lifetime. And and adversity can vary to many people. Okay, I've seen many types in my own life, uh, watching my wife deal with cancer, uh, losing people that I love from cancer, uh, family members going to prison, their, their lives destroyed by drugs. I, I've watched a few people pass away, and, and people that I loved dearly. You know, I've lost a job that I loved over a bad economy, and that there is just the tip of an iceberg. Now, others out there may be facing something different. A common thought or, you know, a common thought or question that I've heard is, well, what do you know exactly about what I'm going through? Okay, and, and so, what, am, what do you know that I'm going through? What is it that you could possibly know? Now, my answer to that is, is I don't have to know what you're going through because the best thing I can do is to point you to the one who, do, who does know what you're going through and to the one who can take care of it see I'll always remember what one of my closest friends mother uh, did for me when I was 17 17 years old I was dealing with a family tragedy in a sense and his mom was uh, his mom was Ecuadorian she spoke very little English but she was a, a strong Christian woman and when he had uh, told her what was going on in Spanish, I happened to, I was there. He was telling her and explaining to her what was going on in Spanish. And she looked at me and she walked over to me. And she's probably about five foot tall to five foot one. And she looked me right in my eyes with authority. She sticks her finger in my chest, slaps her knees, and points up. And what she says is, you kid, you better get on your knees and you pray. And when I, I, she didn't speak a word. But when she looked at me the way she did, and when she did what she did, I understood exactly what she said. And, and my thoughts were, yes, ma'am, I'll do that. And it, it was pleasing to know that this was, not to expose my age, but this was a long time ago. At 17 years old. And what is neat to know is, is that she's still around. And as I was talking to my friend a while back, I just I wanted him to, to remind her that I am still walking with the Lord and doing His work. And so going through trials and adversity, it shows us what we're made of. One of the saddest things to see is that, that prayer only comes to some people when trouble arrives. Now, God uses situations to draw us near. But do we pray as, as diligent as times are great, is the question. You know, I, I've heard accounts of atheists calling to God when trouble arrives even. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the saying I've heard that even an atheist is no longer an atheist when they're in a foxhole. 
And I've I seen a passage by an author by the name of Corey Tenboom, and it says, and I quote, When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Now, which this can be taken from a uh, passage from Psalm 46.10 that says, Be still and know that I am God. And, and we're going to be looking at selected scripture today for this message. But the main theme of, of scripture for this message will be uh, in James chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 8 as the main theme. So if you have a Bible, uh, you could be looking at James chapter 1. And we're going to be observing verses 2 through 8. And we're also going to be observing some other scriptures as well. Now the one thing I don't want to do is, is, is to preach a message that makes me sound more faithful. Or to make me sound stronger than others. Okay, I preach it as, as I am among you and never above you. I am, I am among everyone and I am never above anyone. What I'm doing is I speak to you as a fellow survivor, a survivor of adversity. A fellow survivor through grace of our Lord. And as much as we don't, as much as we want to run from trouble, there is nowhere far enough on earth to go from it. Okay, only in heaven does that exist. But, you know, before we get started, I, I want to read a quick devotion that I've kept with me to remind me of what we're going to see. It says it's an old Native American story that tells of a young boy who was sent into the woods alone on an autumn night to prove his courage. Soon the sky darkened and the sounds of night filled the air. Trees creaked and groaned. An owl screeched and a coyote howled. Even though he was frightened, the boy remained in the woods all night, as the test of courage required. Now finally morning came, and he saw a solitary figure nearby. It was his grandfather who had been watching over him all night long. When Moses went deep into the desert, he saw a burning bush that didn't burn up. Then God began talking to him from the bush, commissioning him to go back to Egypt and lead the Israelites out of a cruel slavery to freedom. A reluctant Moses began to ask questions. Who am I that I should go? God simply answers, I will be with you. Suppose I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, then what shall I tell them? And God replied, I am who I am. Say to them, I am, I am has sent me to you, and the phrase I am who I am can be interpreted, I will be who I will be, and reveals God, God's eternal and all-sufficient character. God has promised always to be present with those who believe in Jesus. No matter how dark the night, the unseen God is ready to respond appropriately to our need. And again, that was a... That was a devotion that I've always pretty much kept on me that I like to read from time to time. And I, I also like to quote other people such as Charles Spurgeon, who was a preacher in England back in the 1800s, a very solid, influential pe uh, preacher and, and pastor. He says, if we cannot believe in God when circumstances seem against us, then we don't believe in him at all. Very bold statement. So as we get started... I want to also read from a very, uh, from also from a very bold apostle of, of making statements here. And we're going to be looking at the book of James. James chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 4. He says, James, as he, he introduces himself, he says, James, a bondservant of God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So after reading this, many would think that James was crazy for writing this, you know, writing this passage. Count it joy when you fall into various trials. Well, when your car breaks down, you go to a mechanic. If the roof of your house is falling apart and causing leaks, you go to a roofer. If you break your arm, you go to a doctor. But if your life is falling apart, you go to the author and the finisher of your life, which is Christ Jesus. Okay, it's, it's common in our prayers to ask the Lord to remove the trial when we should be praying for stronger shoulders to carry the load. James speaks bold truth in, his, in, his, uh, in this epistle as he exhorts the church in Jerusalem of the Christian believers. And not just him, but the other apostles as well. They knew that persecution and trials would come. Now, think about the intense training of the militaries and what they're put through in order to prepare them for whatever's to come. Now, just like us, we don't want adversity, nor does the soldier. But they're always prepared. You know, the, the, training, the training is grueling. You know, they didn't sit around a campfire singing songs and telling dro- jokes as, as everyday life there. They were preparing for, for the worst of all. Okay, for the worst of all things. Though all hope and, and pray for the best, they were prepared for the worst. See, verse 2 says, when you face trials, not if. Paul also said in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, he says uh, that we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And now I've, I've heard it before, the, the question, why me? Why did it have to happen to me? Well, why, why did God allow this to happen? And no one has the best answer but God himself. You know, sometimes the enemy sees a worthy opponent, which I will give an example of shortly. But more important, God sees a worthy child that he is trying to refine. See, God allows crisis to show us who God is, and then to show us what he does. And what he does is he refines us like gold. You know, people would use the, uh, the term that we're, that we're treated like gold by somebody. But it's funny because the refining of gold is done by extreme heat and fire. You know, the, the refiner, he puts the gold in a blazing heat. And he twirls it around and he, and he does it for a long period of time in order to get rid of any impurities. And then the refiner, he knows that it's ready and done and ready to be put on display and, and how he knows that is when he pulls it out of the fire and when it's cooled down, he's able to see his reflection in the gold. You know, the, the Lord the Lord shows the, the depth of our character by how we do under pressure. You know, it's always easy to be kind to others when, when things are great. But the true test is the ability for people to see the truth of our demeanor when things are a little bit harder than normal. Now let's take a, take a quick look at verse uh, 5. We're going to be looking at verse 5 through 8. He says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man and unstable in his ways. So in the face of adversity, the Lord calls us to ask for and to use two important things to ask. Okay, to use wisdom and faith. And when we look at what faith and wisdom does in people's lives, it brings a, a change that we never would have seen coming. You know, seeking God's wisdom through the scriptures is like, is like coming to drink from a flowing stream that never dries up. And it's the purest of water that you can drink from. You know, I heard a saying once that spoke volumes that compared wisdom and intelligence. And it was that intelligence is like a jug that stores and holds water. It's there. It's there in your presence. But where wisdom is like a rushing river, it's there as well, but it's moving somewhere, not being stagnant. Okay, I've known some extremely, extremely intelligent people. But unfortunately, wisdom was never uh, an attribute that they obtained. And, and they... And they fell into many traps and many holes due to the fact of that, that they relied solely on intelligence. And that's good to have. I've always said if the Lord has blessed you with, with intelligence and wisdom, you'll be even more effective. But it's using the wisdom that, that, really, that really gets through, uh, through things in life. You know, James, again, he's, he's very bold about what he says about those who, who doubt, and yet they ask for things. And, and now I'm going to give a reminder about someone, and that is the Apostle Peter. And, and the irony is James uses the illustration of one who doubts like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, now I'm going to uh, go to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verse 22 through 33. Now remember this. One who doubts like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And, and I want us to take a look here. And it says in, in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the, on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying that it's a ghost. And they cried, they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. <laughs> now, we've seen the example... As it said, ask in faith, which Peter did. 
And he was able to actually walk on the water. And not just on calm water, but we're talking on choppy waves driven by the wind. And, and when we seen the doubt, when he looked down and realized that he, he was sunk down there, you know, it was because he took his eyes off the Lord. That was really all that happened. He took his eyes off the Lord and looked down to realize that what was happening here was a horrible uh, wind happening with waves and, and the fact that he this is completely impossible what he's doing. Now, I'm not by any means speaking against Peter as a faithless person. I'm speaking as one uh, who relates with him as one who, like every person on the face of the earth, who at some point has shown doubt. Now, I almost wonder if people converse with Peter up in heaven, you know, they, they ask him, hey, why did you doubt the Lord on Galilee, or, or why did you deny knowing him when he was arrested? And I can almost picture him saying, well, probably the same reasons you doubted him and denied knowing him when this happened to you on this day. <laughs> and, and so we really have to be careful about what we say and, and, and how bold we make ourselves. You know, the, the last thing anyone should do is brag about how much faith we have because the world as an audience can put us in, in contempt and see us as disobedient talkers. But more important, being in contempt with God, as it says that this cannot be pleasing to the Lord. But to show us where, where Peter had grown in faith is, is where I showed uh, some downfalls. I want to show his blessings as an apostle. An apostle I actually loved dearly, and one who showed great faith in, in encouraging those who were persecuted. You know, a lot of people didn't care for Peter because of a few things that were done in his earlier years as a disciple. But I really felt the need to show what the Lord did with him over the years. Okay, when we got to remember after uh, when Peter denied the Lord three times, Jesus called him out on it that that's what he was going to do. After Jesus was crucified, he rose back from the grave. He came back after three days, as he said he would. And the, the fish, the, the disciples were out fishing. And uh, who shows up on the shore but uh, Jesus himself? And then Peter, Peter notices him on the shore, and he jumps out of the boat and swims to him. Well, Jesus basically had to uh, ask him three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. He was asked three times to the point where Peter was actually hurt by it. But what Jesus was doing was is that Jesus was reinstating him. So as Peter got older, he, he became very strong in faith and, and a great encourager. But what he said in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 and 13 was beloved do not think that it's do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed you also be glad with exceeding joy And he didn't stop there he said in chapter 5 verse 6 and 7 he says therefore Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Now, I give these scriptures because, you know, it being the word of God is the authority and the truth. 
And over the years, many people have been told that they're suffering in life because they lack faith. And they've been told that from other people, or, or maybe from a, a preacher, or from a church member. See, nobody suffered as much as the apostles did. And was their faith lacking is the question. In fact, no one suffered nearly as much as Christ did from the beginning of his ministry to the end on the cross. And what, what should we say about his faith? See, it contradicts many things, including what we just seen in the Word of God, you know, the Word of God. See, God is not interested in people's worldly riches. He's interested um, in our transformation and our trust in Him first. If He allows prosperity, that is a gift from Him. And it's because He sees good stewards of what He gives. He's not looking for a jukebox that sings any tune that you want as long as somebody's pumping money into it. Okay, the reminder of, of who we serve is brought up all over. We're not test children. God never scratched his head and said, I've never dealt with this before. Gosh, what do I do? And Peter, of all people, reminds us that we have a source of guidance when it comes down to trial time. And in fact, he invites us to cast our issues on him, which shows him that we have faith in him that he can take care of any issue. Now, he already took on the sins of the world, as Peter wrote this epistle. And it was many years after the death of Christ. And he says to, to cast your cares upon the Lord. See, Peter makes known that, that he's living and active. And that he can take care of, of any need. But as of the greatest reminders of adversity stories, I cannot close and leave out what happened to, to Job in the Old Testament. Now, a lot of uh, a lot of Christians, you know, they they know Job, and there's a lot of people that have never heard of Job. And we have a what it was is we have a, this man named Job in the Old Testament, who was a very godly, righteous man, who who God blessed immensely. Okay, and the story of Job it begins with a conversation between God and Satan. And I'm going to, I'll go ahead and tell the story of Job right now. And what it was, or at least the, the brief story of it. And what it was is that Job had a family, he was wealthy, he was righteous, he was doing great. And Satan has a conversation with God. God asks Satan, so what have you been doing? Where have you been? And Satan said, well, I've been, I've been uh, scouring around the world looking for, looking for people to, to harass, if you will. And God said, well, have you ever considered my servant Job? And Satan said, well, you have a protective hedge upon him. I, he's untouchable. But then Satan said something. He says, though, he goes, I tell you what. He goes, let me, let, me have my, let me have my way with him, and he will curse you to your face. And God said, okay, go ahead, and do, go ahead and do what you will, but you are not to touch his life. Basically, God said, you are not to touch his life, you are not to take his life, but you go ahead and, and, you go ahead and test him. And so after that, it all started to begin. Job started getting hit with all sorts of stuff. I mean, he lost his family. 
you know the 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 roof of his house caved in on his on his daughters he lost all of all of his livestock his his wealth he ended up getting boils all over his body from head to toe to where he could not sit or stand or sleep his own wife even said job why don't you just go ahead and curse god and get it over with and just curse him so you can die. Job refused to do it. Well, unfortunately, Job's wife was taken. Job had a few good friends. And what they did was they decided to come over to, to him and they sat with him in silence. They didn't say anything. They just, they just sat there in silence with him to be with him. And then they decided to kind of open their mouths and figure, well, let's figure out what it is that you did in order to deserve this, Job. And Job says, depart from me. Job told God, he says, though you kill me, I will not leave you. I will not denounce you. Well, to make a long story short, because Job is a good-sized book, when it was all said and done, Job never did denounce God. God ended up blessing him after the fact, when it was all said and done, blessed him even more so than he was blessed before. A new family. He ended up becoming even wealthier, with more livestock. He got to live a long life. He got to see grandchildren. He got to he got to to do what everyone wanted wants to do is to live long and, and and to be joyous. And looking at what happened to Job and many others is is amazing that they fought the good fight. See, it's hard to beat someone you can, that you can see at times so that's attacking you, but it's even harder to impossible to beat what you uh, what you can't see that's that's been hitting you from every angle. And many use the term that, that we need to fight fire with fire. Well, in order to fight something spiritual, you will need spiritual weapons, such as the armor of God, that which you can find in Ephesians chapter 6. See, looking at the book of Job, it was a large book, but the message of the whole book was, was proof that God and God only was sufficient. That's what it comes down to. And if there's something that I've noticed from those in the Bible, it's, it's those who walked closest with God were always able to accept whatever came along and they were never disturbed by it. You know, others seem to want God as long as He adjusts to us and what we want. Now, I want to read to you Job chapter 38. And what we're going to be looking at in Job chapter 38, verses 1 through 21 we're going to be looking at God speaking to Job. Now listen closely. It says, in chapter 38 of Job, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel? By words without knowledge. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone with the morning stars sang together? And all the sons of God shouted for joy. 
Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling swaddling band when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors when I said this far you may come but no farther and here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it. It takes on form like clay under a seal, and stands out like a garment from the wicked. Their light is withheld, and the appraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea, or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you compromised the breadth of the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to dwelling of light and darkness? Where is, where is its place that you may take it to its territory? That you may know the paths to its home? Do you know it? Because you were born then, or because the number of your days is great? See, when we walk closely with God, He does give us things we want. And sometimes He he doesn't because He's trying to bless us or or protect us from desires that may harm us. Facing adversity shows how well one glows in the dark. And if you want light, you must be connected to the source in order to receive power. But again, during adversity, we, we may run to the Savior or do we run from the Savior? And as I close, I want to tell you a true story about a woman on the road. Uh, This was actually a true story. There was a woman on the road being pursued by a large semi-truck. And if you're a truck driver, you'll definitely appreciate this. Okay. And what happened was there was this lady that was on the road... She she had stopped somewhere in a store uh, or, or somewhere in a parking lot, and a semi truck started to follow her very closely. In fact, he started to speed up, and he was trying to get her attention. And he was practically on her tail. So in a in a panic, she kept driving faster and faster. And so as she turned off, she turned off the freeway. He followed her off the freeway and she knew for sure that something was going on. So she found a lit gas station and she, she drove into the gas station, drove underneath the, uh, uh, the awning where the pumps are, where it's lit up. She runs out of her car and runs into the, uh, into the convenience store in a frantic uh, panic. As she runs into the store, she's looking outside and she sees the truck driver run out of his truck, run up to her car to open the back, the back door to pull out a man that he saw sneak into her car and into her back seat when she wasn't looking. And he apprehended this man who obviously had some sort of uh, devious plan, sinister plan. See, what had happened was this woman, without knowing, was running from a savior. This guy, this truck driver, seen from a distance what was happening to her or was, or what was about to happen to her because he was sitting up a higher above to where he could see what she couldn't see. And therefore, again, unknowingly, 
as she tried to escape, she'd notice that her life was saved or prevented from some form of disaster. And how often do we do that? How, how often do we do that at times ourselves? You know, there are so many things going on in the world, as I've been saying. You know, there, there are so many things going on in, in people's personal lives. You know, we have cancer awareness uh, uh, coming up and always, always being uh, recognized and all of these things that are, that are hitting people. The best thing I can do for you in two different ways is to pray with you and for you and to do what my friend's mother did was to remind you to remind you of who it is that can comfort and take care of the issues. You know, I said in a previous message that anybody who can kneel before God, they can stand before any man. And the author and the finisher of our lives is, is the only one that can handle any situation. See, whatever you've gone through, whatever you've made it through, and if you're still here, or, or whatever the case may be to have survived it, he was doing something through you, He's doing something for you. We ask all the time, why? Why me? And again, I don't have a perfect answer for you, but he will reveal it to you one way or another. But again, all we need sometimes is somebody to help walk through the fire with us. And God calls us to do that. And that's why, again, this ministry is here. For prayer, for for support. For the for exhorting through through the word of God for the equipping, but most importantly, again, it's it's to lead you to the source. See, everybody wants power, but nobody wants to be connected to the source. And in order to be, in order to be connected to the source, you need to be constantly walking with the source. So at this time, I want to give, as always, the opportunity to do so. See, life is, life is short. It's even short uh, if you've been uh, fortunate and blessed enough to live to 100 years of age. People will still say that it's gone so much faster as they got older. But again, you know, it's about quality of life, not always quantity. But God is in control of the, con- the quantity and the quality. What we're in control of is what we allow him to be of. So do you want to allow him to be in control? Or do you want to uh, take a chance and, and a gamble and be in control of your own life? See, he gives us the opportunity. He, get, he gives us the will to do so. But again, we're not free from the consequences of those things. We always want and need an advocate of help. So at this time, if you want to receive him, I'm going to give the opportunity to do so. And if you want to say this prayer after me, it's a prayer that receives the Lord as your Lord and Savior because that is the only way that is assurance into into heaven. 
And it's a simple prayer if you want to, if you want to say the prayer after me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Father, Lord, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner, Lord. And Lord, I ask of you, Father, to come into my heart, Lord. And I ask of you to come into my life. And Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for washing my sins, Lord. I want to thank you for having me, Lord, as one of your own, Lord. Lord, I accept you as my Father, Lord, my Savior. So Lord, please receive me now, Lord. And please take me into your kingdom, Father, Lord, as I am now one of yours, Lord, and you are mine. As Father, I love you, I praise you, and I receive you now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we come to a close, again, I just want to let you know that uh, that you are being prayed for. And I, and I hope, hope always that whatever you see and hear will be of use to you. But again, the Word of God should never come void. So may you seek diligently Him and His Word and through prayer and through, through a walk with Him. And may we, may we walk together strong and may we again, may we see one another in eternity. Because again, at the very end, that's what's going to matter the most. Everything here on earth is temporary. So may God bless you and may He keep you. May your friends and family get to know Him and may you be used mightily. Much love to you all. Thank you again. God bless.